Hello everyone and before we begin I just want to say that I hope you have a good day. I don't know when you're watching this but I release these at like six o'clock on Monday morning so whether you're watching it in the morning or you're watching it in the afternoon I hope you have a good day and I hope you have a good day. So without further ado this is episode five of Daughter of the Deep which is Rick Riordan's new book. It came out a few months ago, and we are going to go over chapters 21 through 25. And again, if you haven't watched any previous episodes, I would encourage you to go do that so there's no spoilers or, yeah, stuff like that. But without further ado, let's get into the chapters. So in chapter 20, where we left off where Esther kind of explains to Anna how she thinks that the Nautilus actually killed her parents. Like, the ship was the one that killed them. Not an accident, not, but the ship, like, on purpose. And that is a little bit hard to understand, so we'll see how that plays out in the future. <laughs> and look at this. Chapter 21 starts off with, Over the next two days, I try not to obsess too much about Esther's words. And yeah, so she basically goes over everything that she's thinking of. Her brother, who's probably dead. This ancient booby trap that is set inside of this ship. And the Aranamax, which is underwater, coming towards them. So yeah. And here's what this says, a paragraph. It says, Among the low points, we're running short of food. We've needed a lot more than I thought we would, and we weren't as good about rationing as I'd hoped. This makes me feel guilty about about that night i sneaked an extra chocolate chip cookie after dinner the first night dude but chocolate chip cookies are the best there's no greater cookie than a chocolate chip cookie okay and she also says also i had to break up a fist fight between cooper and virgil they got into it after one of them made a comment about actually i didn't even care i just pushed them apart and did some yelling this felt better than it probably should have so basically things are getting very tense on this yacht and more bad news, Dr. Hewitt seems to be getting worse, which is not very good because he's the only adult on board, which, you know, they should have had more. Well, there was more, I guess Bernie and the other security guards, but they were sent away, which for now we have no idea why. But as a good point, Nalina got the locust working and Jim, Esther, and Tia, and Anna go to the bridge for the big reveal and they're not really sure what to expect because they've never seen one of these things before or like how she's supposed to connect it to the ship. So Nalina's like, here we go. And she turns a dial on it. And the room fills with like these green patches of light. Like they're inside it, an aquarium that desperately needs cleaning. That's how it describes it. And Esther's like, something seems wrong about this. And Nalina's like, hold on, let me recalibrate the display resolution. So she twists some more knobs and a glowing sphere the size of a basketball hovers over the locust. And now Anna realizes what they're seeing. They, they see their boat in a white dot hovering in the center of the sphere. And the upper half is swirling faint green lights like wind patterns, rain, and clouds in real time. And the lower hemisphere shows conditions of underwater. Like currents, depth readings, and lots of dots and blobs of various sizes. And Anna's like marine life. That's got to be school of fish. But what's that? A whale? And then Elena smiles like really wide and she's like, we are elect electrolocating, gang. And then Tia squints and she's like, nice work, De Silva. You're sure this isn't making us light up on the radar screen of every ship within a thousand miles? And then Elena's like, pretty sure, like 90%. Or maybe make that 85%. <laughs> 
Yes. And then Anna's like, but what if the Animax has similar tech to this? Will dynamic camouflage fool a locust? And then Ellen is like, ah, maybe. And then Jem's like, but if they do show themselves, we'll test out our other new toy. And yeah, you automatically know what Jim means by that. Is they found a laden cannon the size of a jet ski. Wow. And Anna decides to go for a swim. So she puts on her scuba tank and her, you know, water vest. But it's not a wetsuit, I guess. So she goes and Socrates joins her. And he's like chattering and he's nudging her like playfully. And so she brings him a squid. Obviously, Socrates needs his squid. And so... He doesn't really satisfy him, and so he, like, is bumping into her for her attention, I guess. And then Anna's like, that's rude, and then he's like, that makes no impression on him. Dolphins are shameless goosers. And then he's nudging her again, and, like, she's like, oh, maybe he wants to show me something. So she follows him towards the starboard side of the hole, and just below the waterline, there's, like, a fist-sized grappling hook that's embedded in the rail, and there's like these cords sticking out of it. And she's like, I guess this is a souvenir from the uninvited guests from Land Institute. You know, they probably, it's one of the leftover grappling hooks they used. Someone misshot it to try to get aboard. And like the damage doesn't look too bad, but she doesn't want to take chances. So she tugs the hook free and lets it sink. And then she pats Socrates on the head, then surfaces. So she can request some supplies to repair it. And so she went back, she patched it up. And by the time she's done, she still has 30 minutes of air in her tank. I don't know how many minutes of air are in a tank. Like, is there a specific amount of minutes you can be under? Okay, I looked it up, and a standard tank lasts about 45 minutes underwater. So, there's that information. And so, Socrates and Anna just go underwater. They're doing dances together. They're doing... Flipper dances, I don't know. Like, she's holding his flippers, and they're just going in a circle, I guess. I don't know. And, yeah, they're just playing around in the water. But she loses track of time, and she hears, like, a sharp pulling sound of a metal object. And so she knows someone is telling her that it's time to come back up. And she gives Socrates a high five, and she starts going back up. And Gemini pokes his head out of the bridge, and he's like, we need you. And she's like, my good mood lasts until then. <laughs> and then it says that his tone makes it clear that it's more bad news. And so Tia's in there hunched over the comm station and she's clutching headphones. And she frowns when Anna walks in. And she's like, we've retrieved some audio from the school's intranet. You better sit down. So chapter 22 starts off like this. I think I'm prepared for anything. I'm wrong. When Dev's voice comes through the head cannons, I choke back a sob. So it's like a recording of Dev's voice, and it's like glitching out, and it's saying, Major threat, need everyone to evacuate, I, and then it turns into static. And so Anna pulls off the headphones and throws them down, and she backs away. And Tia's like, I'm sorry, there's nothing else there, just feedback. And then Anna's like, Dev warned them. Maybe someone got out alive. He might still be alive. But then Leanne, who is the navigator on duty, her ears turn red, and like, that's the sign that she's about to tell a lie or something. And she's like, maybe. I mean, it's possible, right? And Jim frowns, and a couple other people agree with him when he says, I don't think there was enough time. The noise at the end of the recording, that was pretty bad. And then Anna's like, I know he's right. Ugh! So she knows that Dev must really be gone now. Like, there's no chance that he could have survived that. 
And so she heads back to her room and lays down. And Esther's like, sorry, I've been writing down all the secrets I can remember and all the stuff I wasn't supposed to tell you, but it's here somewhere. And then Elena's like, Esther's been busy. We're just going to be sure to keep those cards safe from now on, right, Esther? We're not going to be leaving top secret note cards lying around where everyone can find them, right? And then Esther said, I put them down when I, in the kitchen for a moment while I snuck a cookie. It's fine. Nobody saw. <laughs> and then Anna says, aha, so I'm not the only chocolate chip cookie thief. Here's a paragraph about Esther. It says, when I first realized Esther had such a great memory, I asked her why she needed the note card. She explained it like this. She can remember an entire symphony orchestra, a hundred musical musicians playing at once. But if you ask her to pick out just one sound, she can't immediately unravel that information from all the other sounds she can absorb. The cards help her make sense of the music. She can color code, she, so to speak, and keep it separated from strings and percussions. And so she can unwrap stuff line by line. And without her index cards, the world's a scary, overwhelming place. And then Esther holds up a card and she says, Here, it's bright blue and it's covered with her neat handwriting. And she says, Tomorrow when we get to the secret base, there's going to be another challenge. And then Anna says, A challenge? And then Esther nods and she says, It's the standard protocol when someone approaches a base. It says so right here. I don't know what kind of challenge, though, but something to make sure that we're legitimate. If we're not, the island will probably destroy us with alt-tech weapons. And then Lena's like, but that can't happen, right? And Esther's like, no, because... And she looks around, she's like, why won't it happen? And then Lena's like, because we're going to figure out how to pass a challenge. We'll do that while Anna gets some sleep, remember? And then Esther likes, is like, that's right, Anna, that's why you're not going to die. Get some sleep. And so she gets some sleep. So chapter 23, Anna gets up, takes a shower, and yeah... She needs to be operating at 100%, or at least pretend that she is. And so, their challenge arrives at 10 a.m. sharp. So the locust is displaying these lights with a swarm of purple splotches. And so Jack yells, aircraft! Wait, no, those aren't aircrafts. What are those? And so the purple blobs are, like, flickering in and out and changing shape and changing their intensity. And so everyone's like, what in the world is this? And then Jack senses the answers before Anna does. He's the best in house dolphin at those kind of things. And he's like, those aren't physical objects. See how the blobs are flattening into waves? And then Anna's like, clever. And then Drew's like, what? Are we under attack? And then Anna says, there's no attack, at least not yet. Would you run up to the other dolphins and bring them into the bridge? We've got a code to break. So they're being sent a code, probably from the island of the secret base the harding pencroft base the captain nemo base whatever you want to call it and so a few minutes later virgil comes in and everyone else in dolphin and they start to work on it i guess and she's like is it a blue whale and then anna says partly but i think it's more complicated than that but keep listening says hp has used blue whale songs as codes for years the pitches sweeps and lengths of tone can be pegged to components of human languages making a multi-layered form of encryption that's almost impossible to break if you don't know the key but this code's more complicated still and then jack says the sender knows hp encryption methods they must assume that we have the locust to receive their transmission and then leanne says well that's good right it must be from our base and Virgil says, unless it's a trap, if this is from the Animax and we reply, they're going to know where we are. And then Anna thinks, no, this must be the base. We were expecting a challenge. And then Halima's like, we were? 
And then she tells them all about Esther's warning. And she's like, so if this is a challenge and we don't respond, that's not going to be good. Either way, we need to decipher the code. Then we can decide what to do. So they relaxed because they're like deciphering code. They're used to that stuff. It's what they trained for. So Jack says, okay, let's assume this first part is blue whale. Blah, blah, blah. They start to figure out the code. They're like slowing down the clicks. And, you know, they're trying these different transmission speeds and to try to make the pattern clear so they've got like dolphin in it they've got five by five which is kind of it's like a type of morse code but it's different like in the vietnam war it's what prisoners use to like tap out messages to each other but it's different than morse code and then there's also a third the third sound going off but they can't seem to figure out what it is so then for a while, time passes, and they're still working on this, and Jim brings in a tray of sandwiches, and he's like, lunch. And as she's walking back to the command room, she, like, realizes that she knows what the message says. So she's like, I've got it. And so she works on decrypting it, and then they're like, wow, nice work. And then Virgil's like, no kidding. I thought we were going to go crazy if we had to listen to that thing one more time. So they listen to it, and they decipher it. And it, the message says, this is Lincoln Base, identify five hours. And they're like, that was a lot of work for a really short message. So they're trying to figure it out. And Leanne's like, identify. Well, that's that's clear enough. They want to know who we are. But five hours, is that our time to arrival or the, by the time we get the message? And Jim's like, that would be two hours ago. You guys were working on that thing for three hours. So they only have two hours to make up their own code and send it back. Yikes. And then Virgil's like... If we don't respond in time or respond the right way, and then Anna finishes for him, she's like, I imagine our own secret base will blow us out of the water. And chapter 24 starts off with her saying, but no pressure. It's one thing to decrypt a message, but it's much harder to actually figure out how the correct answer and say it back in the same code. And we have less than two hours to do it. And maybe Lincoln Base, if it really is Lincoln Base, has a machine that generates messages in blue whale 5x5 bundle I. We don't. We don't. Nor do we have access to that super weapon of information, the internet, which might help us out put, to put the pieces together. And the, so Anna's like, Virgil, do you still have that simulator app on your phone, the one that you make whale songs with? And he's like, yeah. And then Anna says, will it work without an internet connection? And he sounds offended, and he's like, of course. I downloaded the whole library of whale songs. Dude, this, this, this guy is determined. He loves his whale songs. So then Virgil and Jim go to make the whale part of their encryption because they're sending it back the same way. So then Leanne and Jack and Elena are working on the locust to see how they can send the message rather than just receive it. And so Halima and Anna start to, you know, figure out the bundle-eye part of it. And they start with do not fire. <laughs> they figured that would be important. And Virgil and Jim come back, and Virgil starts playing whale songs, which isn't annoying at all. <laughs> and so they've been working for an hour and a half, and everyone's getting really tired of this. Everyone's sweaty, everyone's tired and exhausted, and they put the final touches up, and this is what the message says. Verona from HP, do not fire. Emergency situation, Anna Dakar on board. <laughs> And then she's like, I really hope this works because I don't want the message to actually say tofu is my favorite mammal. 
they wouldn't, we wouldn't know the difference. And Anna was like, do we really have to put my name up there? Because it's kind of awkward, but everyone's like, it's necessary. You know, you're a valuable asset that we need to keep alive. So that's kind of important. So everyone turns to Nalina and they're like, are we good to transmit? And she's like, as far as I can tell, so Jim coughs, and he's like, 20 minutes until the reply deadline. And then Leanne says, permission to send? And then Anna hesitates, but says, not yet. Gather the crew. They deserve to know everything that's happening. And everyone's in there. And Anna says, when we send this signal, we'll be revealing our location. We have to gamble that this isn't a trap and that we've evaded our enemies. Like, she's like, it still feels strange to call Land Institute their enemies, but there's nothing really else that they can call them at this point. Like, they're way past toilet papering each other. And Anna says, also, if we send the message and it's not correct, we could be under attack in 15 minutes. And then Jim corrects her, saying, 11. And then Anna's like, thank you, Prefect Twain. And then some people smile, and she's like, I guess nervous humor is good. But Anna's like, if, however, we are communicating with an HP vase, then we could be among friends by this evening. And so everyone's excited about that, like... They want food. They want. They don't want to be in a boat anymore. And Anna tells Nalina to send the message. If anyone needs to use the head, now would be a good time. So everyone kind of dispersed. And yeah, she Anna's like, I hope I didn't just send us all into a trap. And it says Jim fidgets like he's got a jellyfish in his shirt. Like Esther, he's one of those people who thinks on time means 30 minutes early. It must be killing him that we're cutting things so close for the deadline. So at this point, they've already sent the message. It's been about five minutes, ten minutes, and they don't have a response back. And if they've literally got like five minutes left until the deadline's up. And then Esther's like, well, we're still alive. That's good. Maybe we passed the test. And then it's like, I hope she's right there. And then there's nothing there. And then Anna says, send the message again, maybe. So everyone's scared because, I don't know, they send it again, but it has no effect. Like, it's not been answered either. And then Anna starts to say guys because, like, she's about to apologize for leading them into a trap, probably. And then Esther yells, look! And off the bow, the air ripples, and it's like a mild-wide current of mirrors reflect the sea, and it shatters. And... There's an island that was in the middle of the ocean. Now it's there. wasn't there before. And there's a volcanic peak that rises 300 feet, jagged and crumbly like a heap of burnt brown sugar. Mmm, that's a good way to describe it. Now I'm hungry. And then Jim's like, we did it. And then a woman's voice is crackling over an intercom, and she's like, Verona, this is Lincoln Base. And everyone's like, she sounds cranky. And she says, your visit was not scheduled. Stand by for harbor drone guidance. Make any sign of aggressive intent, and you will be destroyed. If we do not see Anna Dakar aboard, safe and unharmed, you will be destroyed. And then Anna thinks, okay, maybe she sounds a lot cranky. And then a garbled noise comes over the feed, as if like someone's speaking to her. Um, in the background, and the woman says, Fine, you will advise the drone how many will be joining us for dinner. Jupiter is baking lasagna. Lincoln Base, out. And chapter 25 starts like this. Given the choice between destruction or lasagna, I will choose lasagna every time. Whoever Jupiter is, I hope he can cook enough for 20 extra people. Dr. Hewitt makes 21, but his diet is presently being administered through an IV. 
So there's this pilot drone that's coming over and it looks like a dragonfly and its wings are like copper and crystal. And yeah, and she says, I'm glad no one tried to swat it. I'm pretty sure that would count as a sign of aggressive intent and top barks at it. And the drone turns its head and makes like a popping static electricity sort of noise. And then Anna's like, hi there, I'm Anna Dakar. As you can see, I'm safe and unharmed, and we have a crew of 20 for dinner, please. And we need medical care for Dr. Hewitt. He's pretty sick in the sick bay. And so the dragonfly wriggles and then flies away. And Tia's like, okay, I'm sure that that's fine now. And it says, Socrates, fearless as usual, leads the way into the lagoon. Two local dolphins swim over to meet him. Within moments, they're leaping around together, chattering happily. So much for my friend being a loner. So they're cruising towards the central volcanic side, and it has no shore, just some dark cliffs that plunge straight into the lagoon. And the pilot bug guides them there. And then 20 feet out, it cuts the engines. And Anna's like, Tia, make ready the moorings and pilot bug permission to come ashore. And the drone, like, shakes its head kind of as, like, a way to say yes. And then they tie off the Verana, and they get off. And then... Jim's hands like is hovering over his gun holsters and he's like, what do we do now? And then a tall, slender, dark-skinned man steps into the light. His white skinny jeans and vertically striped soccer shirt accentuate his spindly limbs, making him look like an anime character. His close-cropped black hair is flecked with gray in his hand, sheathed in oven mitts, hold a steaming pan of bread that smells of butter and garlic. And then he's like, you're Anna Dakar, right? You look just like your parents. And then Anna's like, uh, uh, yes, this is a freshman class of Harding Pencroft. We have some bad, and then he, <laughs> she calls him the bread pirate, and she says, and he says, freshman class won the world, I can't quite, and she can't quite place his accent until he says, I'm Luca Barsanti, and she switches to speak Italian, and she says something, and they talk back and forth for a little while. And then he goes back inside, and Jim says, uh, what did just happen? And Anna says, he says, come on in and bring Hewitt. His next loaf of garlic bread's burning. So thank you guys for listening to this week's podcast episode. Again, this was Daughter of the Deep, Rick Riordan's new book, and this was chapters 21 through 25. Make sure to come back next week for chapters 26 through 30. And remember, Socrates rules. Thank you.